This is the Adult Explorer of the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the winter of 2022 and 2023, that's the months of December, January, and February, We'll be studying the first 11 chapters of John, and today we'll be looking at our third session, which will be John chapter 2. I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and I'm being joined by Brian Daniel. Brian is Director of Adult Ministry at Lifeway, so Brian, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure, Dwayne, and Merry Christmas to you. Oh, yeah. Just a week away, man. Can hardly wait. It seems like it got here fast. (laughs) It did. (laughs) It's like you hit August and September, and then... uh, Halloween and the holidays and then it's January already. Oh yeah. So we are here. So we're looking at John chapter two, verses 11 through 23. We've entitled this session. I will raise. We've outlined it with these three points, glory shown, worship expected and sign remembered. That first section glory shown is verses 11 and 12 of John two. In these verses, John explained that Jesus performed the changing of the water into wine as a sign that revealed his glory. The disciples believed in Jesus as a result of witnessing the miracle. And then following the wedding, Jesus spent time with his mother, family, and disciples in Capernaum. The point for us is that believers should see Jesus working in even the small things. The second point, work exp- uh, worship expected, is in verses 13 through 17. While in Jerusalem for the Passover, Jesus encountered merchants doing business in the temple area. He crafted a whip and drove the merchants out of the area, declaring that his father's house was not a marketplace. His actions reminded the disciples of Psalm 69.9. The point for us is that believers must worship God in spirit and truth. The last section, verses 18 through 23, which we've entitled Sign Remembered, John tells us that the Jews challenged Jesus by asking for a sign to validate his authority. Jesus declared that if they destroyed the temple, he could raise it in three days. This only confused the Jews, and they reminded Jesus that it took 46 years to build the temple structure. In retrospect, Jesus' disciples realized that he was talking about his death and resurrection, which strengthened their belief in him. Many believed in Jesus while he was in Jerusalem. The point for us is that believers should worship Jesus as the son of God. So we have this this first section, Brian, it it builds off of the changing of the water into wine or the turning of the water into wine, the first miracle. Uh, We've got a pack item, pack items three and 10. Uh, Pack item three is something to put on the wall and pack item 10 is a chart which identify the seven signs that are outlined and identified in John's gospel, this being the first one. But how do we keep the focus here on Jesus' identity and not the wine? Any discussion here has to begin. I know if I was sitting or when I'm sitting in the classroom, I'm going to be hung up on the word glory. And I think that's one of the ways that we're going to avoid any kind of you know uh, 
confusion in terms of what should be emphasized or where the priority is. And glory, the and you're the expert here, Dwayne, but in the Greek, it's doxa. That's a word that a, that should be familiar with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. If you go, go a little deeper, words like majesty, perfection, righteousness, riches, might also come into play. And uh, I would add here that w- as we come into understanding glory, glory, when it's referenced, is also our hope uh it's it's a big word and like so many things in scripture sometimes we're reading the narrative and we read over these words that we've seen for most of our lives and don't take the time to really stop and think about what the implication here is but in this instance glory is the exact representation of who god is in jesus christ so i think one of the ways that we make this distinction is we focus on what glory is and how it manifests itself here in this passage how it manifests itself today uh that's how i would respond to that yeah i've been you brought up that word glory i've been doing some research and some reading and thinking about how god's glory is tied to his face us seeing his face um and how that uh, uh how many times we don't realize and don't think about the value of eye contact with the father. Uh, and there, you know, you, I think about it when I, I see my children, uh, there's a smile, there's a, I, I'm excited to see them. I'm glad to see them. There's a glint in my eye when they walk through the door. And that that same idea is included in the idea of seeing God's glory. We understand his character as father and everything else. And there's a sparkle in his eye when his children walk in the door. And uh, trying to compare that to this, I think, helps us understand, too, that that they saw that glint in the eye, that glory shine through through the faith, face, face of Christ at this moment. Yeah, they would have seen that then, of course, and that would be the way that God gave us a glimpse of himself then during that 30 years, whatever, really less than that when you get into his earthly ministry by a not insignificant amount of time. So today, of course, we don't have that physical representation, or at least uh, Jesus's personhood, but we still have the remnants of this both and, this God, uh, this uh, both God and man, both fully, which is, that's, it's quite the mystery, Dwayne, to yeah. understand that. And I think, and that's one of the things in this passage that just, I, I would just encourage everyone, and I guess we're talking about the the group leaders here mostly, but I think in the group time when you're when you're with the group, I I would spend some time talking about glory and what it means and how it manifests itself. I, and think about it. Google the term if you've got commentaries. Uh, do some work on that. But also, like Dwayne, like you're saying, I think spend some time in quiet, just in quiet, prayerful posture and come into an understanding of what glory means here we have this story here of the cleansing that takes place in john's gospel it's right after this this particular idea there are three mentions by the way of the passover of a passover in john john chapter 2 which is here john 6 and john 11 which is why most folks think jesus earthly ministry or his public ministry was three years because John mentions three different Passovers. But you have this right here taking place and the timing is a little curious because in other passages you see a cleansing taking place or other accounts you see cleansing taking place after the triumphant entry. 
uh, and in the, the Passion Week. So how do we deal with that here, the timing of it? Was there two or was there one? Or uh, just think through that with me for a minute, Brian. Oh, I, it's, it's one, right? Isn't that the answer? Our commentary uh, did a great job of explaining this. It said there's two ideas that have been proposed. Jesus could have performed two separate temple cleansings. One have occurred at the beginning of his ministry and the other could have happened at the second. The other idea is that, that John is not writing a, a chronological uh, account, but that he's telling stories that help us put together a picture. And so he just put it in here at this point because it helped give understanding to the, the turning of the water into wine. And then the next thing happens too with Nicodemus in chapter three, it's kind of a bridge between those two things to help us understand more fully who Jesus is. So those are the two ideas that I found um, that, that helped me think through it. Dwayne, does part of this explanation not come with uh, so John was written a, what a good 30 or so years mm -hmm. after the synoptics. And he was writing as a, as an older man sure. looking back. And I, I, I think his, his intent on the gospel of John, John's gospel, the intent is, is with the understanding that these narratives are firmly in place that, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke have been in circulation now for more than a generation. I mean, for some time. And so as he, as he begins to document the gospel of John, his intent is going to be uh, more on the deity of Christ, the glory of who Jesus is. And so his writing, I think, had a different intention. So yeah, I do think that the sequence of events here has something to do with it. Uh, I believe that it was the former and not the latter. I think this happened once and uh, John, well, I, I, I'll just say that John is, is documenting one here and that should stand on its own. That it doesn't mean that it didn't happen twice, but it means that John's intent of writing this gospel. John doesn't record it happening a second time. Um, he just places yeah, it at a different place right. in the story. Uh, the location of the cleansing, the temple itself, what's the importance of where this cleansing took place? It's, it's about sacred space. Um, in the commentary, there are there's a couple of illustrations on... Um, I think one is a prayer meeting, I believe, and then there's a there's another instance this doc that's uh this that he I think the writer of the commentary documents where there was this disruption to a to a worship to a worship experience. So I think you've got something very similar going on in this case, and it's Jesus's point when um if you if you if you go to Romans twelve when Paul describes the rightful posture of who we are as a living sacrifice. And then he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. The theologian Knox says that this is the worship due from you as a rational creature for the work that Jesus did on the cross. And so when we come together in worship for this sake and to uh, acknowledge and celebrate and contribute our hearts in a worshipful experience to the lordship of Jesus, I think that needs there needs to be a certain reverence here. And so Jesus is responding to that in the courtyard that the appropriate reverence to the Father in this case is not being given. In the in verse 17, we're told that the disciples remembered a passage that the zeal for my house will consume me. And that's from from Psalm 69. The Bible skill for this particular session 
encourages us to look at Psalm 69 and look at places in the New Testament where Psalm 69 is quoted. We did not give a list of those. Uh, so here in the podcast, we're going to go ahead and give you a list. Uh, I'm going to do it in this way. I'm going to look at verses in the Psalm uh, that's, that are quoted and where they're quoted. First of all, Psalm 69 verse 4. It's quoted in John 15, 25. The second a passage that's quoted out of Psalm 69 is Psalm 69, 9a, which is here in John 2. The second half of the, uh, verse 9 is also quoted in Romans 15, 3. Uh, then you find verse 21 of Psalm 69 quoted. It's quoted in all four of the Gospels, in Matthew uh, 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 19. And that's the section where the vinegar is placed a, uh, up to Jesus's mouth on the cross. And that verse in uh, Psalm 69 points to that happening. Verses 22 and 23 are noted in Romans 11. And then verse 25 of Psalm 69 is noted in Acts 120. Uh, so you see those particular passages three of them from the Gospel of John, where they quote Psalm 69. When we think about that, this quote, what does this quote tell us about Jesus and that particular Psalm, Psalm 69? The way that I would say it is that this kind of disregard for a a a rightful posture or a appropriate worship relationship is something that he can't abide. It, I, I, th I think I would put it in terms of this runs contrary to his nature, if it could be put that way. And it has to be addressed and it has to be confronted. Well, and you also think about it too. You think about the purpose of Jesus here. Uh, when I look at Psalm 69 and I think about the, the zeal for the house, but he also the, the crucifixion. He, there's this contrast. He has zeal for the house. He has this reverence for a place of worship. Yet he's on the cross and they put vinegar up to his mouth. And so you you see those two contrasts, I think, uh, when they when they think about Psalm 69. There's an old Hebrew idea that if you that if you just mention one part of a psalm, then the Jewish mind would have gone ahead and thought about that whole psalm. And so you you see that possibly here as well, where they would have understood the context of it greater, where this obviously is a passage, Psalm 69, that points to uh, the Messiah with several fulfillments in the New Testament of that particular psalm. So it fits well with what John's trying to, to do, is that Jesus is not just a human, but he's also God, the, uh, the, the Son. And the reference to, to Psalm 69 highlights that this also this also conjures up some of the passages in the old testament prophets i believe it's isaiah when uh through isaiah god says your your hearts are your hearts are far from me your incense burns my burns my nostrils even um i think there's something similar that it's a matter of a, a heart condition that your if your worship is insincere if the if the sanctuary has been violated then those are indications of where your heart is. And I think there's also, that's the vinegar, very similar to the vinegar that you're, uh, this reference in the, in the Psalm 69 passage.
So some of the ways that we disregard uh, worship today while you're looking at that, I would say uh, going into worship with uh, not having your own heart prepared or our own hearts prepared is one of the things that comes to mind. I know our children are out of the house now, but Dwayne, how many Sundays were there when it was everything in me and us, my wife and I, just to make it to church, not necessarily on time, and just stumble in that worship center and not bringing the fullest uh, who I am in a worship, the worship I bring not coming in its fullest extent. Now, it's not that that's unforgivable and that we should feel guilty about that, but I do think that there is a time when we need to maybe get up earlier, have a more relaxed Sunday morning, and show up to worship with a a more a more prepared heart. I would say there's a, a lot of times a lack of reverence in worship. It's, uh, you know, you bring in the thoughts of the morning or the day or the week, all of our experiences, maybe what we've got looking forward to. I think we need to leave those at the door more often. And then a third way that I think that we disregard worship today uh, is it's just not constant. I think we should always have uh, worship on our tongues and in our mouths and in our hearts. That should be something that's a relative constant in our lives, not just on Sunday morning. In verse 22, we see this statement. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. Do you think there's a specific scripture that they remembered at this point? Um, what passages could they have been? What was it that came to their mind here in verse 22 that affirmed Jesus being the sign here, him being resurrected? But it would be those references to the temple uh, when he described himself as the temple, right? Yeah, there is a place, and I'm trying to find it. So in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul states that uh, in verse 3, of chapter 15, for what I received, I passed on to you of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared. Verse four is the focus here that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And there's a, a lot of folks have asked, where does it say in the Old Testament that he would be raised on the third day? Well, if you go to Hosea chapter six, verses one and two, and they're talking about uh, prophecy about Israel here. But it makes this statement in Hosea 6, 1, 2. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he was torn, but he will heal us. He was stricken, but, we will, uh, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, we will he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. So it's obviously talking about Israel here, but the ultimate fulfillment of this would also be in Jesus. And mm -hmm. several commentators have said that the only place that the Old Testament talks about the Messiah actually being in the grave two days, being raised three days on the third day is here in Hosea, which is why it's so important for us to study Old Testament passages. And so that's an important thing for us to think about when we were looking at something like John saying they remembered what was said in the scripture is it's pointing to Hosea, most likely. Twain, do you, 
I, I was reading in um I was reading in some commentaries recently. There was this there was this reference to the oh I'm gonna blow this, but I'll just say the discipline of remembering or the spiritual practice of remembering. It's interesting that you would bring up the Old Testament here and that we should we should be students of the Old Testament just as we are the new for this idea so we can catch these references and know the prophecies and know that this was always the plan that there is a that there is a sovereign divine design but i think implied in that is this idea of remembering as well that that is what i think this passage is highlighting that there was the capacity to remember and connect dots and you know the the bible is such a a, a testimony of oration of uh, of an oral tradition that that's part of what it what it is to be a disciple is that we are always telling the story we are living the story and i think i don't think it's taking liberties with this text here to have that application in addition to what you've just described that what we're seeing here is the act of remembering and participating in this tradition and the story that's being revealed to us I mean, there's been time we've already mentioned this in this podcast there's been some time that's passed between when Christ was crucified and resurrected and when John wrote this gospel, which implies that he's had time to sit and think about it and reflect on it and remember. So there's some depth to this gospel that may not be as present in others. Not That's not saying the others are inferior. It's just saying there's a different time that's passed. Difference. That right. has allowed John to really process what he's seen in what he's remembering and the significance of it, the theological significance significance of it. And he has seen the gospel spread. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a different way than Matthew, Mark and Luke. Yep. Um, are there any other key ideas or thoughts you have from this passage that you think would be important for us to bring out for this study time? Well, just, just the idea of the resurrection here that, it is this singular event that marks um, the centerpiece of almost all time. And uh, just like we began this conversation talking about glory, we're going to end it with a reference uh, to the resurrection. And it just in some ways is the beginning and the end of all things. It is a, uh, I like to refer to as the Christ event that this, this is, I, I just don't know that there are the right words uh, to place the resurrection historically, when you look at when you look at what has happened uh, in our world and where we are, and just the idea of atonement—that ultimate, real atonement—what Paul calls uh, for, what Paul refers to as the the deeds of darkness in Romans and other places, he refers to uh, in the in the epistles the the domain of darkness that we can be rescued from that. Uh, entirely the resurrection makes that possible uh, it's just it is impossible to overstate the significance of this event i appreciate you reminding us of that today uh, before we go let me remind and encourage your folks out there to take a look at the blog post found at goexplorethebible.com forward slash blog every thursday a new post is added these posts will help you better understand explore the bible and the ideas behind the resources that's go explore the forward slash blog. 
thank you for listening to us today. We'll hope you encourage other teachers to tune in next week. Next week, we'll be taking an excursion out of the Gospel of John. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 2. It'll be the lesson for Christmas. We'll be looking at uh, the idea that Jesus is the promised Messiah who came to save his people.